0: In the name of the God of Friendship, amen. Amen. Several weeks ago, while I was vacationing back home, I drove down to Kansas City to meet with a high school classmate. Ching and her husband joined me for dinner, and it seemed like we picked up right where we had left off. The thing was, we hadn't seen each other for 17 years. We'd only recently been back in touch after stumbling over one another through the Internet service Facebook, and a lot had happened in each one of our lives since high school, Despite our becoming fast friends our last year at McPherson High, Ching and I had gone very different ways following graduation, and we had quickly lost touch. I went on to pursue chemistry and music and eventually piano, then off to seminary in the far west where all the fruits and nuts live, right? She had stayed closer to home and gotten training as a pharmacist and moved to the Kansas City area. We both had married at different times and settled in very different parts of the world. But there we were after 17 years, truly old friends now, chatting and laughing as though we had just stepped out of our calculus class senior year, out of an hour of helping one another through the challenges, mathematical, academic, and emotional, that came with being a senior in high school. Well, who would have thought? I share this with you only to remind most, if not all, of you about a story you already know in your own lives, and that is the abiding strength and the perennial nature of friendship. Any of us who have cultivated relationships for the long term, whether it's a marriage or a companionship or even a partnership in our vocations, we know that friendship holds the key to making it all work. Spouses must learn to become friends if they weren't friends before they married. Working relationships stand or fall on the quality of friendship that develops between the partners and amongst the teams. Indeed, spiritual friendship is a foundation of one of our most ancient practices as Christians. It's a cornerstone, for instance, of monastic life, and it's a transformative grace found in the bedrock of our parish community. Indeed, Christians who hang around one another for very long must become friends or part company, and there seems very little in between. So it comes as a bit of a surprise to me, given today's remarkable teaching from Christ in John's Gospel, that we do not incorporate more language about friendship into our regular worship here at Church of Our Savior. I wonder if this has something to do with the influence of monarchy on our Anglican spiritual tradition, our inheritance of a patriarchal and notably hierarchical past, It's throughout the language of our rights, after all, Lord, King, and indeed Father, putting God at the center of our common household as the pater familias, and endowing God with all of the power and control. Now, don't get me wrong. This ancient tradition does not need to die. It has many, many virtues. And one of the greatest is that it reminds us that we are not ultimately in charge And that has to be a good thing to keep the primordial sin of pride in check. And perhaps we attribute these things to God and Christ so that they can be taken from us and that the real power we will find of those titles of Lord and King is found in the example that God and Christ gives us yet something seems to me profoundly missing at times because we are always cast, we are always cast in this universe of divine metaphors, we are always cast as subjects, though heirs on occasion. Children, although we are sometimes reminded that we are people, and by that I mean more than mere infants playing at our parents' feet, scolded when we misbehave, rewarded when we are good? Do we sometimes lose sight, I wonder, in our worship, say perhaps at the peace? Do we lose sight of the warmth that self-offering friendship and community promises us? That self-offering friendship which anchors us in place through thick and thin, And holds our feet to the fire of the Spirit, our heads under the cleansing waters of baptism. The solid spiritual food that Christ reintroduces to us in today's gospel is that we are invited to become friends with Christ. More than the people of God, we are invited to grow up and become the friends of God. Having incorporated into the very essence of our being the self-giving love that is God in Christ, we are in the process of becoming like him, a friend in the redemption of creation, a friend in reclaiming all that has been wronged and violated, and helping set it aright again. It's almost a radical teaching that began on Maundy Thursday when Jesus wraps a towel around his waist and begins to wash his disciples' feet. And if you remember, it's Peter, at that time, who protests the role reversal the humility of Jesus in doing to them precisely what a woman had done to him. And Peter protests, it doesn't make sense. Yet it's an awesome moment the more I think about it, because in our language, the teacher has become an intimate, a partner, an abiding servant. And Jesus reminds Peter that if he doesn't allow Christ to wash his feet, he can have no part of him. And of course, Peter's response is the usual Peter, well, then wash my head and everything else too, please. But there's more. Because if we leave it there at Maundy Thursday, then we have two ways of contacting God. One is as sort of an uber-parent who might console us or, through Christ, the servant who maybe serves our whims or salves our wounds and occasionally honors our work, which is what washing feet meant in that time. But what we need to uncover in this world of pain's and dead ends, is that there must be something more to this God of ours than simply being a panacea to our angst and suffering. In the words of C.S. Lewis in the film Shadowlands, something must drive us out of our nursery into the world. We must grow up. We must grow up. we are called, indeed, by grace to become more like God and less like wayward and dependent children. But if, by grace, pain becomes the driver behind our spiritual growth, friendship might be what draws us forward, might be an end to where we are headed To be more like friends, as Christ calls us, is to live into the power of the love we have been given and to share it with others, to become servants of one another and embrace more fully the central commandment of our baptismal covenant, the central commandment indeed of the offerings of God's table, to love with a mutuality and a commitment that reflects the divine nature planted within us by the shared body and blood of Christ. To offer ourselves radically, if need be, for one another. That is the call of friendship. And it is, for all of its beauty, theological dynamite in so many ways. In today's brief reading from Acts, the followers of what begins as a small sect of Judaism, a sect of folk who call themselves Christians, discover friends in the most unlikely social place imaginable, amongst the Gentiles, the outsiders, the uncircumcised. Christianity suddenly ceases to be a sect and becomes something profoundly more, And Peter, who has suddenly, with his encounter with the centurion and with these revelations from God, recognizes that Christ indeed is the light not only to Israel, but to the nations. The light to the nations that the prophets of old had foreseen. And that means that being Christian transcends cultural identity And bloodlines. The followers of Christ discover that the Spirit holds the key to overcoming barriers of race, tribe, and even tradition. And all these claims of identity are offered up in the friendship of the gospel. Friendship with Christ means grace has sprung the hierarchical trappings of our ancestral cultures and blown out the walls of patriarchy. It means parents do not own their children. It means that slavery is, at its root, an evil fiction. It means, too, that children do not own their parents, and students and their teachers are mutually accountable. It means that clergy do not have a monopoly on truth or power. Do I see any more shocked faces in the room? And moreover, that the laity are just as important in the body of Christ, if not more so. It means spouses build their households on mutuality and covenant, rather than dominance and contract. It means the captives are set free And it underscores our obligation to feed the hungry, heal the sick, and clothe the naked. It means we are called to build trust in friendship where trust has been broken. And it means that friendship with God, like our friendship with each other, transcends time, space, and even death. And it means that we are freed by the promise of resurrection to become more fully who we were called to be. Children, then heirs, then siblings, then friends. All made in the image of God. Amen.